right, good morning everyone. God bless you. Thus far, God has helped us. All right, Sister Polga. Father God, we thank you. We give you praise. Dear Jesus, we give you honor. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Prince of Peace, the Rose of Sharon. You are the Lily of the Valley, O God. You are the bright and morning star. You are the I Am that I Am. You are Alpha and Omega, Lord Jesus. You are the beginning and the end, and we praise you this morning. We give you thanks. Dear God, thank you for this brand new day. Thank you for this brand new month. Lord, you have been so good to us, dear Father, and we just cannot thank you enough. Irrespective of what's going on, dear God, you have been so kind to us that we have this wonderful privilege to gather as a body. And dear God, we commit this day into your divine hands. Father God, we know that today, Lord Jesus, is a day that you have made. Let us not take it for granted. And so, Father God, as we come before you through this medium, Lord, I pray, dear Jesus, you will just lend a listening ear to us, Lord. We come to you now, and we ask for your mercy and your grace to continue to pour upon us, Lord. Bless this service today, Lord Jesus. Let your anointing, the power of your Holy Spirit, my God, let it bring comfort to you, Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that thy Holy Spirit will be evident and we can feel him, O oh God, irrespective of our physical condition, in not seeing each other together. But, Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit can penetrate anything. And so, Father, here we are before you. Bless today's service, anoint pastor in a special way, anoint our airing. Help us, O oh God, that we meditate and focus on that which you will bring forth to us. Dear Lord, forgive us for our sins, we humbly ask you, and help us, Father God, as we pour out hearts before you, that your grace, Lord Jesus, will be with us. Lord, forgive us, we pray. We come penitent before you now, Lord. Things that we should and could have done, Lord Jesus, that's not pleasing to your sight. I pray your forgiveness. And Lord, let your hand be upon us, not just lighthouse, O God, but globally, Lord, and those who call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, remember those this moment who don't have this privilege and opportunity together as we have gathered now. And God, just bless them, I pray. Minister to them, Holy Spirit. Dear God, let your announcement and your Shekinah glory. Let it fill our hearts. As we focus on you, give you the praise. You said in your word, if my people are called by my name, and we are called upon you now, Lord Jesus, forgive us for our sins. Help us to turn from our wicked ways, my God, and open our hearts before you, not by words, O oh God, but by our actions. We thank you right now for hearing us. Thank you for the power of forgiveness, Lord. And we'll never cease, dear God, to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that's due to your name, because you are God. Bless us, we pray, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're going to get into the Word now. We're going to open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. And we started Wednesday night uh, in our Bible study with this chapter. We're going to go through the book of Revelation, looking at the glory of Christ and, and learning about Jesus, learning about who He who he is now and who he is going to be when he returns. You know, there's some parts of this that uh, I come across in my studies that, that don't make it into the Bible study itself. We'll let God lead us and guide us, but we may spend a little bit more time here on Sundays, God willing. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. 
And we're going to read down to verse 18. I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on an island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. May God bless the reading of his word. Father, we give thanks for your word today. We ask your blessing. We ask your mercy. We ask your grace. We ask for divine inspiration and revelation. We give thanks for the word of God today. We give thanks for the testimony of John and the testimony of Jesus Christ. For we draw strength and we draw comfort from it today. We pray, O oh God that our hearts and minds would be made wide open today, that the spirit of, of, of understanding, of wisdom, and of knowledge would fill us today, God. Let this word take root. Let it bear fruit. Let it bring forth glory for the kingdom of God. Let it bless everyone who hears it and receives it by faith today. We ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. Amen, amen, hallelujah. The great emotional conflict for all people is the one between fear and faith. We're motivated by one or the other in most of our endeavors. Either fear of what might happen or what can happen, or we have faith in the providential care of our God. John's circumstances are familiar to us today. Consider his position here on Patmos. He was isolated, cut off. He was uncertain of the future, did not know really when he might be allowed, if he would be allowed to leave that place of exile. He was perhaps disconcerted and, and disconsolate about what was happening to God's people 
all over the world, as this was a time of great persecution. Those circumstances are not all that different from what you and I are experiencing today. Although we are are certainly uh, grateful for all the blessings and all the good things that have happened, we are going through a period of time of, of some difficulty and inconvenience, and indeed for some real and genuine suffering. And so I think it's appropriate that we take a look at John's condition this morning. It would be easy for John to have been sitting there in a state of, of, of I guess you could say, of, of disconcert or, or disconsolation. It could have been easy for him to be sitting there listing all of the problems and all of the things that had gone wrong. But notice Notice John's attitude here today. Even though he says he is in the tribulation of the kingdom of Christ, his is an attitude not of complaint but of worship. When we find him here, we find him where? In the Spirit on the Lord's day. What a testimony of faithfulness. No one there to worship with him. No one there to notice if he did not maintain his habit of worship would have been easy for him to uh, to let that part of his life slide with you know I wonder how much do we do because others are watching versus how much do we do because it's what's truly in our heart to do yet with John he maintained that habit of even going uh, to church even when he was having church all by himself just as if he was still in Ephesus, just as if he was still in the community of the saints. He went into the presence of the Lord on the Lord's day to pray and to worship and to contemplate the things of God. What a testimony that is. And I'm so appreciative today of you who have not neglected this duty, not neglected this opportunity. How easy it would be to say, well, if we can't go to the house of God, if we can't be together, then, then what's the point? But I, I, I appreciate John, and I appreciate you who've, who've taken the opportunity, even under the difficulties we are dealing with, to pause, to stop your, your busyness and to stop your, your activity and to say it's time. It's time to go into the presence of the Lord. It's time to go into the Spirit of God. It's Sunday And it is a day to recognize the triumphant resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and celebrate it the best we can under such circumstances. Many are there around the world today who, like John, and like us today, are cut off from one another. Yet they continue to worship, and they continue to contemplate the Word of God, and they continue to pray, even in their isolation. Worship and scripture and prayer are the great foundations of our fellowship and our faith. Through worship, we are reminded of God's glory. And through scripture, we are reminded of God's faithfulness. And through prayer, we are reminded of God's loving care for us. Worship has a powerful effect on our level of faith at any moment. If you find yourself slipping into an attitude of fear, of concern, of anxiety, of of doubt, 
Nothing will lift your faith faster and stronger than to immediately go into a time of worship before God. It is nearly impossible for any true worshiper to fall into the grip of fear for very long. The more we fellowship with God in the Spirit, the more we are aware of His sovereign supervision over our life. Worship influences the way we see Jesus. Notice the glorious description John gives of the resurrected and glorified Lord. This is no mere man, no crucified criminal, no weak and powerless prophet. John sees the great high priest, the ruler of heaven and earth. Even though he was physically prevented from going to the house of worship, notice that the house of worship came to him. What a powerful revelation this is. Even when we cannot enter into what we consider our temple, God will bring the temple right into our home, right to where we are, and bring us into the presence of the Lord. I am so grateful, so grateful that we don't need a building. I miss our building. I look forward to being able to once again join together inside of it. But, but it is a blessing, but it's also, it is not truly, 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 it is not a necessity to be in God's presence. Through worship right now, you can be in the presence of the Lord God as if you were before the very throne of God itself. Notice also here the mention of a book. This mention of a book directs our attention to the record of God's word and his work in the world. The scriptures are truly the testimony of Jesus Christ. And every time we turn to the scriptures, every time we open the blessed book of Jesus Christ, we are reminded of the things that God has said and the things that God has done. And that testimony that testimony of Jesus and that testimony of, of God's word and God's work is of great comfort to us. One of the blessings of reading and knowing the scriptures is the consistent testimony of God's faithfulness to his people. In every circumstance, all the oracles of God, all the scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, Describe many circumstances that were not to the advantage of God's people. And yet we see the hand of God's divine care and his divine providence in each of those circumstances. We see that scripture itself is the history of God's faithfulness. One unbroken chain of divine love and divine providence from in the beginning to even so come Lord Jesus Amen. From Noah's Ark to the Ark of the Bulrushes. From Abraham's journey to the journey of the children of Israel in the wilderness. We see God coming through time and time and time again to sustain and care for his people. From the manna falling from heaven to the ravens by the book cherith. From the parting of the Red Sea to the sun standing still, we see a God who will literally move heaven and earth to come to the aid of his people. Jesus said, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Is not one of them 
Not one of them is forgotten before God. Not one of them shall fall to the ground without the Father's knowledge. Are you and I not worth so much more than the sparrows of the air? Has not God numbered the very hairs of our head? Nothing is too small or insignificant not to be an object of the care and providential love of God. Nothing is so small that it escapes his concern. We have a God who cares about the least and weakest of his creatures. How much more does he care about us? The scriptures remind us, and this, this revelation of God through the scriptures is of such importance to us at this moment in time. Yet we give it so little regard. We give it so little time of our own. The more we read, the more we understand God's care and concern for us, the more our faith is strengthened and the less foothold fear has to gain in our minds. Jesus' comments to John here out of his mouth was, do not be afraid. And I tell you, church today, throughout the scriptures, you hear that constant refrain, fear not, fear not, do not be afraid, the Lord says, time and time and time and time again. The eternal, almighty, all-knowing, all-gracious God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he who called everything out of nothing, all by his powerful word, the whole universe, everything that's made is made by him, and he cares for it all. He who created all things and sustains all things, he who is the preserver of them as well as their creator, upholds all things by the word of his power. He knows everything that he has made, every one that he has made, and he, everything that he has made, he preserves from moment to moment. He who is omnipresent, fills heaven and earth, is also intimately present in every moment of our lives. Praise God, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ear is open unto their cry. Praise God, in him we all live and move and have our being, and he is never far from us. He tells us that he is the beginning and the end, that he is present at all times in all places. He is above and he is below. He is before and he is behind. His loving presence is around us and with us and in us. The omnipresent spirit does not leave us even for a moment. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him. John was isolated, but he was not alone. He was separated, but yet he was still in fellowship and in communion. The presence of the Lord was as real on Patmos as it is today in any temple or any church in this world. You may be listening to me today in a state that's not all that much different from John's. You, must, you may feel cut off cut off from the church, cut off from your family and friends, but you are not alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jesus said. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. I will not leave you orphans. 
I will come to you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he will abide with you forever, for he will be in you. What a comfort the omnipresence of Jesus is to us. To know that he is always here, always there, no matter what circumstance. That his spirit is actually within us is the greatest comfort that we can have in our moments of isolation. And know this, he who is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, he is the Alpha and the Omega. His omnipresence informs his omniscience. He is the Alpha, the A, and the Omega, the Z, the sum of all knowledge and wisdom. He is full of the knowledge of all things, and there is nothing that he does not know. He has made us, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows all the connections, the dependencies, and the relations, all the ways that we affect one another. He sees all the parts of his creation. He sees the farthest reaches of the heavens and the minutest details of the earth. He knows every star and moon and planet by name, every tree, every shrub, every blade of grass. He knows the hidden recesses of the deepest oceans and the highest mountains. He is the creator and preserver of the universe and all that it contains. And he knows every creature by name, every beast, every bird, every fish, every reptile. He knows all their qualities and all their numbers. He knows every angel, good or bad. He knows every part of his dominion. He looks down from heaven upon the children of men that cover the whole face of the earth. And he knows every heart and every mind. He understands all their thoughts. He sees what any angel, any devil, any man ever thinks or speaks or does. All that they feel, all that they know, he sees all of it, including their sufferings and every circumstance of them. As the creator and preserver of the world, he cares. He has made us and not we ourselves. And he does not despise the work of his own hands. A mother will forget her children, but God will not forget us. He is concerned every moment for whatever happens to every creature upon the earth, and more especially for everything that happens to any of the children of men. I know it's hard sometimes to understand this. It's hard to believe it, to comprehend it. We look around us and we see all of this varied wickedness and evil and misery in our world. We see it everywhere we look, and yet we are told that we have a God who sees and knows and cares. His omniscience is absolute. There is nothing hidden from his sight. John, in his position on Patmos, was fully focused on by the Lord Jesus. And understand this, his knowledge is not just the clinical knowledge of the scientist or the intellectual knowledge of the professor, but it is the personal knowledge 
of the one who became like us to experience everything we experience, to be tempted in all points like we are, to be made like us in all things so that he may sympathize with our weaknesses and be a merciful and faithful high priest. That's what John is seeing here on the island of Patmos. He sees the Son of God in his mediatorial role, the great high priest of God's people in the midst of the heavenly temple, making intercession and keeping the people of God ever before the face of his Father. And know this, his omniscience informs his omnipotence. He sees all, he knows all, and he is able to care for all. All his wisdom is continually employed in managing the affairs of his creation for the good of all of his creatures. His wisdom and his goodness go hand in hand. They are united and continually act together to foment the almighty power of God. With him, all things are possible. He can do whatever needs to be done in heaven, in earth, in the sea, and in all the deep recesses. He exerts his power to sustain, to govern all that he has made. He has the power to do all that can be done. The only thing he will not do is deny himself. I know it's hard to understand how this omnipresence and omniscience and omnipotence of God works together. But know this, he will not and cannot counteract himself or oppose his own work. He can't work against his own will. He would destroy all sin and all the suffering caused by it in a moment if it was not for the fact that he would be counteracting the work that he himself had created. He would overturn his own work if he did so and undo all that he has been doing since he created humanity upon the earth. For he created man in his own image, a spirit like himself, endued with understanding and with will and with freedom to exercise that will. Without such freedom, our, our, our knowledge and our understanding would have been useless. We would have not been capable of doing good or evil. We could not be moral beings any more than a tree or a rock could be. If God were to remove the ability to do evil, he would also be removing the ability to do good, and he will not contradict himself. He cannot destroy out of the nature of man that image of himself from which he made him and left in him as his imprint. And without doing this, he cannot abolish sin and evil and the pain it causes out of our world. No act of omnipotence can violate his omniscience. All the manifold wisdom of God, as well as his mighty power and his good nature, is displayed in giving man the freedom to be an intelligent spirit, capable of choosing either good or evil. 
Oh, the depth of the wisdom of God in his providence and in his governing of man so as not to remove or destroy their understanding, their will or their freedom. He commands all things in heaven and earth to assist man in attaining this purpose of working out his own salvation so far as it can be done without coercion. The whole frame of God's care is so constituted to give men every possible opportunity to do what is right and what is good and to turn from what is evil and the suffering that it caused. Let every man understand this. The sovereign and omnipotent God gives us the choice, the choice to do what is right or the choice to do what is wrong and to deal with the consequences of that choice. He will not turn us into mere machines. He will not make us incapable of doing what he has commanded us to do. The goodness of God, this goodness of God, is designed to lead men to repentance. His loving care is such so that men would search him out and look for him. And the suffering he permits is so that they and I will recognize the limits of our self-dependence. John understood this on the Isle of Patmos. He knew that without God's divine care for him, he would have already been lost. And that without God's power working in his life, he would never be able to go on. We can understand. We can understand how such fears can easily find a place in our hearts and minds. But let us be reminded of the divine providential care that is, is, that is evidenced in everything we know about our God and his creation. That every aspect, especially the aspect of humanity, is under the care of God. Is he, not, is he only the God of the Jews? No, says the apostle. He is the God of the Gentiles also. He is the God of all, even those who do not believe in him. He makes the sun rise upon the just and unjust. The rains fall and the crops grow, and the earth, even in its most violent phases, remains miraculously supportive of human life. Even those who profane his name and those who worship the idols and pleasures of this world are not utterly forsaken. They breathe his air, they drink his water, they eat the food that he provides, even though they do so with ungratitude blaspheming his care with false and prideful claims of self-sufficiency. In ignorance of his generosity, they abuse his gifts, allowing waste and want to run rampant across the world. The strong oppress the weak, not knowing that they themselves are weak and wholly dependent upon the grace of the Almighty God. It is they who should be afraid. It is right that they should be the ones at fear, but not us, church, not us. Even those among us who are called Christians, who profess to believe in Christ, those that we would reasonably think will have faith, face this power of fear. 
even though they know what he has done for them. Not only through the natural gifts, but also through his own sacrifice on the cross. Yet they still are caught up, just as the unbelievers are, in the fear of want, of loss, of pain, of exile, as those of the world. They know, but they do not understand. They see the wind and the waves and are quick to forget who is in the boat. They see the crowds and the need and ignorantly and forgetfully ask, who will feed such a number? Not knowing that the one who made manna fall from heaven is in their midst. They see the threats of the world and they retreat into the numbness of being deaf and dumb and blind. Deaf to God's callings and dumb to God's word and blind to God's faithfulness. They have a form of godliness, but no real power and are quickly overtaken and mastered by their fears. To these, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. We must remember today the power of Christ's resurrection. We are not those who are overcome by the fears engendered by what's going on in this world. We are those that worship God in spirit and in truth. We love God and fear God and work His righteousness in our life. We have this mind that was in Christ Jesus, and we walk as He walked. And the words of our Lord give us comfort and resolve. Even the very hairs of our head are all numbered. He takes particular notice of our soul and our body. He knows all our thoughts, all our words, and every action. Nothing, nothing we do is too great or too little for his attention. His eye is upon us continuously, as upon every individual person that is a member of his family. In every circumstance, Internally or externally, he is there. He is present. Whenever our need is present, whenever our hurt is present, whenever our fear is present, he is there. Our Heavenly Father, the one who feeds the birds of the air, shall he not much more feed us? Are we not worth more than these sparrows? Why would we worry and why would we fear knowing God cares and loves us? We remind ourselves from the scriptures that he can cause the earth to swallow up the flood or cast down hailstones to deliver his people from their oppressors. Pharaoh's army will still be drowned Jericho's walls will still fall and Goliath's head will still be defeated. Even death itself must relinquish its hold at the command of the one who holds the keys of hell and death. If it pleases God to continue the life of any of us, he will suspend any law of nature that is necessary 
Fire will lose its ability to burn those cast in it, even if it be heated seven times hotter. The oil will not run out, neither will the meal fail. The prison doors themselves will open of their own accord. Now listen, God does not do these things capriciously. He governs by law, and his law is written into the very fabric of creation. Yet he often makes exception to those laws as it pleases him. He is able to deliver out of all danger them who trust in him. The Bible teaches me that those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. All this we learn from Scripture, church. All this the Word confirms in our hearts and minds. Worship reminds us of the glorious presence of God. Scripture testifies of his omniscience, his power, and his faithfulness. But it is in prayer. It is in prayer that we access that power, church. For the Bible also teaches me that God hears and answers prayer. How can we reconcile our fears with the mighty care and concern of our God? We do so through prayer. Now I hear you. You'll say back to me, Pastor, I have prayed and nothing happened. Or something happened but not what I wanted to happen. Doesn't that mean that God doesn't really care about me? No, child. I understand. I too have experienced the pain of not having a prayer answered in the way that I wished. But that does not mean that God does not care. It is a poor parent who indulges every request a child makes in the name of love. What kind of love is it to give a child the very means by which their soul might be destroyed? What kind of love is it that allows a course of events for the marginal benefit of merely one without taking into the equation the benefit of all others. Now understand there's many things beyond our comprehension. I do not know how my pain or your pain will benefit myself or you. I don't know how it benefits us or others, but God does. His omniscience understands how it all works. I do not know how my loss will be your gain. But I know this, if John had not been on the Isle of Patmos, if he had not been in this place of isolation, of being cut off, he may not have received this glorious revelation which has given comfort and conviction to so many people throughout the generations. I don't understand how it all works together, but I know who my God is. And I know he cares. I know he cares for me. And I know he loves me. And in the meantime, I have seen so many more examples of the blessings he has provided and the evidence of his loving care for me than the the sorrows that I have endured. It seems entirely selfish on my part if I focus only on the evil and not on the tremendous good that God has done for me. 
What more need God do to prove his care for me? Is not the air and water and food enough? Is not life and love, friends and family enough? Is not my own intelligence and will and emotion enough? What about the cross, the empty tomb and the upper room? Are they not enough to convince us of God's love for us? What about the promise from the one who has kept every promise that he will return and put all things right once and forever? Is this not enough? We must learn to put our whole trust in him who has never failed them that seek him. Our Lord tells us, don't be afraid. If you truly fear God, you need not fear anything or anyone but God. He is our strong tower. And there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can harm us if he is our protector. Even hell itself cannot prevail when God is on our side. If we have this confidence in God, then it should be no strain to us to call upon him in prayer in our hour of isolation and know his comforting presence. If we have this confidence in God, then worship becomes such an easy proposition for us. It is so easy to give thanks when we know that we owe him for every good thing that comes into our life. Let us give thanks to the Lord who provides, to the Lord who delivers us from the hand of our enemy. What an unspeakable blessing it is to be at the mercy of him who not only is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, but who is love personified. We may boast of God's care we may, we may say that God holds us in the palm of his hand and that we are the apple of his eye with confidence, knowing that God cares for us. But let us be careful. Let us be careful to walk humbly and closely with God. His providential care, his love and mercy, his grace is a demonstration of his worth not ours. If we forget this, then the very things by which he meant to bless us will be the cause of our unblessing and undoing instead. Let's walk humbly and closely with God. Walk with a clear conscience toward God and toward one another. We must not let his, this knowledge that he will care for us wherever we are make us care less selfish or lazy. On the contrary, knowing that God is with us and that God is for us and that God has us in the palm of his hand should free us from all fear and should give us the courage and confidence to go about his business with all due urgency. I cannot speak for those who do not believe As long as they are in this world, they are exposed to any number of dangers 
which even the wisest will never foresee. Who could have foreseen this that has come upon us in this time? And despite all of their arrogance and all of their so-called power, they are powerless. And there is no one to help them. They trust in themselves, but they fail themselves. They trust in men, but men cannot and sometimes will not help. How miserable is the situation of one who has no hope but this world. On the other hand, how blessed is the man that has the Lord for his help. How blessed is the one whose hope is in the Lord his God. How confident and how faithful is the one who says, the Lord is always before me. He is at my right hand and my left, and I shall not be moved. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. John's experience on this Sunday, this special Sunday of, on Patmos, is a reminder to us that we are never alone and never outside the care of our God in the presence of Jesus Christ. It is a reminder that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, not even life or death. For we know the one who holds the keys of death. It is a reminder that faith is far greater than fear, as life is far greater than death. And we need not be afraid if the one who has defeated death is with us. Let us know that today. And let us know it every day. No matter where we are and no matter what's happening in the world around us, he is with us, among us and in us. This great high priest of God has not left us alone to face the trials and adversities of this world. He is among his people. And we need to continually rebuild our faith through worship and contemplation of the world and of word and constant prayer. And by partaking of that which binds us to him and to one another, his body and his blood. Praise God. Praise God today that he is with his church. And though we are not physically together today, like John of old, we have come into his presence through his spirit to worship on the Lord's day. And he is in our midst. Hallelujah. He is in our midst. And we remind ourselves of this reality by the taking of his body and his blood. Oh God, I give you thanks today. I give you thanks today for the mighty, mighty, mighty presence of your spirit among your people. I thank you today, oh God, for the mercy and the grace that you have shown to us in our time of crisis. That even though we are Isolated now, we are not alone. I thank you, God, for when we could not come together, you have come to us right where we are. 
And right now in every home, on every table, as your word has been broken, and as your spirit has moved in these houses today, so God, today, we break this bread and we take this cup. Oh God, I give you thanks. I give you thanks for the revelation that Jesus Christ is always there and will always be there no matter what. And in our moments of fear, we can hold on to the faith of his present spirit in us. Oh God, I thank you today for strengthening our faith through this time of trial. And I ask you, God, to continue to minister in each and every life today through your presence in that life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless us, Lord. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service by calling 701-801-6266 every Sunday at 1015 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. God bless you. Until next time. This is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.